Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Today we're going to be presenting. Sister Muzanza, I'm going to be really taking us to really learn and answer some of the most important questions during this Ramadan. Naam, inshallah, Rabbu Alameen. And uh, we have an idea about what is Ramadan is, but she will really going to talk to us about what Quran, what Islam really say about Ramadan. Okay, without further ado, I would like to start by uh, thanking Allah for this uh, gathering. And uh, we gather for the sake of Allah and to seek his knowledge and uh, seek his pleasure. May Allah really help us and, uh, you know, grant us Jannah to feed us. Amen. What is the purpose of fasting? Like I said, before Sister Umu Zanzan go ahead and tell you about what Islamic perspective, we always have an idea about what is a fast, fasting is and what is fasting is not, you know. Um, we think that a fasting is a exercising self-reframing from food, drink, intercourse, you know, because uh, these are very, very difficult things to do, right? And um, that a human have, you know, to go through those. So, and then by learning to go without those things that we really love to do, the food, the drink, the intimacy, the smoking, if we smoke, the drink, whatever it is, you know, must, by reframing from those, we learn to self-control so that uh, the, we can apply this uh, of the aspect of our life, you know, to know that, hey, how that feel if you don't have a food? For example, a person who went to 16 hours without a what? So what I was saying is that uh, we tend to understand that uh, fasting is uh, to abstain from the food, pleasure, and things like that. And uh, is, that is uh, like a um, way to feel, you know, to have a self-control, right? Well, it's kind of right. At the same time, it's not what Islam really um, is telling us that it do. All the thing I says is absolutely good because some people say, why do you fast? I fast because, you know, um, it's good to know how you feel if you don't have a food, you know, to call, uh, sympathize or empathize with those who doesn't have a food. So don't go many days without food and drink. Hmm, that's good. I fast because if you are Muslim and you will be able to abstain from all the forbidden things, I mean, stay away from allowed intent, which is all the stuff that is halal to you earlier, and then you stay away from them, you'll be able to stay away from things that are forbidden to you, which is a haram to you. So um, shouldn't be any excuse for you saying that, hey, I've been, um, I was able to fast, therefore I will quit my smoke because during the fasting, I didn't smoke, you know? So those are the things that are, uh, we need to understand that come with the fasting is a benefit. That's what it is. That's the society, society view of the fasting. This is the medical view of the fasting. If it's a psychological view of the fasting, this is a, what we learn that the fasting does to us. You know, that's what we learn is a learning behavior. That's the outcome of the fasting. But now I'm gonna move on with the sister Umu Zamzam to tell her exactly what is a fasting in terms of Islam. Sister Umu Zamzam, thank you. Alhamdulillah, Sister Nahila, those were some very good points. Thank you for bringing that up. 
from an Islamic standpoint, as far as the Sunnah is concerned, as far as the Quran is, is concerned, what is the purpose of fasting? What is fasting? Well, first of all, fasting is one of the five pillars of Islam. We spoke earlier about the six articles of faith, what it is that we believe, and the five pillars of Islam, what is it that we do as Muslims? With the first one being you testify that there is no Lord but Allah and that the Prophet Muhammad is his messenger. And then the next one is prayer. And we have charity, we have fasting, we have charity, we have pilgrimage. So it's one of the five. And so what is the purpose of fasting is what we do as Muslims. It is the pillar, a major pillar of our faith. So fasting is something that Allah Azawajal loves us to do. He decrees for the Muslim to fast for a number of reasons, but the reason why we mainly do it is because it's a request of us. It's because that we honor Allah Azawajal with our fasting. It's because it's a worship to Allah Azawajal. So what is special about the month of Ramadan? And then why do we fast in this month? Well, the month of Ramadan is the month that the Quran was revealed. But it wasn't only the month that the Quran was revealed, it is the month that the books of Allah were revealed. As Muslims, we believe that there are five books from Allah. All of them were revealed during the time of Ramadan, during the month of Ramadan. So the month of Ramadan is when Allah reveals his books, whether it's the pages of Moses, uh, Abraham, which is Musa wa Ibrahim, um, whether it's uh, the Injil of Isa salam, which is the Bible of Jesus. Uh, we also believe in the Psalms of David and we have the Quran. So I believe that those are the five, inshallah. All of those books were revealed during the month of Ramadan. Does anybody have any questions so far? Why do we fast? What is this purpose? And what is so special about Ramadan? Why do we fast in this month? Okay, alhamdulillah. For those of us who have children, a very popular question is, why should my children start fasting? Why should my children start fasting? When should they start fasting? And the majority of the scholars agree that generally this is aligned with prayer. And so as we know with prayer, that we should start teaching our children to perform the salah. We're talking about the formal salah. They must play regularly by the age of 10. So by the age of 10, this is when, if they don't pray, they should be disciplined. And so fasting is said to be, this is when they should start fasting as well. But at the age of seven, this is when we start teaching them how to how to fast, how to pray. So they got three years from the age of seven to the age of 10 to practice, to learn why, to learn the virtues, the values. If they you know, need to adjust from the age of seven to the age of 10, they got three years to do so. And then it becomes mandatory as we know by the time they reach age. And for every person, this is different. So for women, when we start to get our menstrual cycle, and for boys, when they come into the age of mature. 
Question number four. How sick do you have to be to skip fasting? How sick do you have to be to skip fasting? If anybody would like to answer this, you can put so in the chat or you can unmute your mics and you can answer the question. Okay, so we have a consensus a consensus that someone who is suffering from an illness when they're fasting that will cause harm to their body or increase the illness or delay recovery from that illness is excused from fasting. So that is that somebody who's suffering from an illness, it will cause harm to their body. It would increase their illness or delay recovery. They are excused from fasting. Does anyone have any questions on either three or four or any comments on either three or four? We do not have to wait to the end today. Today is the top 20 questions that are asked about fasting. All right. Thank you, Sister Muzanzam. What about if somebody have a diabetics, is that considered are they um, qualifying a category that you said, you know, like uh, somebody have a diabetes and, uh, you know, it has been a chronic disease, they have a diabetes. Can they, um, what, do, what did the scholar have to say about that? Like, is it part of uh, the category you mentioned? Yes, definitely. Because with diabetes, there are a number of different side effects, you know, that happen or a number of different things that come on as a result you know, of, uh, of that condition. Um, it needs to be regulated that the person who has diabetes and every individual is different. They need to speak with their doctor. They need to speak with their medical practitioner that when they do not keep their glucose levels or their sugar levels or the food is not entering or leaving their body or insulin levels are not at the uh, proper proper levels, then it causes major harm. And I know there are a number of things uh, with diabetics, you know, sometimes um, they, they bleed, you know, rather easily that, uh, you know, blindness can occur uh, from having diabetes. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, even people have to be amputated. So that definitely falls into the category that the person would either be harmed or increase their illness. So diabetes would definitely fall into that category. Thank you very much. Okay. For the pregnant women, should pregnant women fast? Should pregnant women fast? Does anybody have anything that they would like to say about uh, women fasting? Or oh, women breastfeeding? Well, this in this particular situation, it really depends on the health and the stature of the woman. For some women, it is 
okay to fast that, you know, the child will not be harmed. But for some, you know, if they're fast, then if they feel like their child will be harmed, then they are exempt from the fasting and can make it up at a later date. So every case is different. Every single woman is different. This is an ibadah, an act of worship between you and your Lord. And you know if it's something that you need to do or something that you need to delay based on how you feel and based on how you feel that the fasting will affect your unborn child. With regards to breastfeeding women, it is the same thing. Some women, if they're not drinking water, they would dry up. They won't be producing milk or they're not going to be producing milk at the levels that the child needs to, to sustain its, its nutrition. So with that being said, a woman should not fast if she cannot maintain the milk that is needed for the child. The child's health is primary. And in this case, the fasting should be delayed. Does anybody have any questions on that? Salam alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. That's a comment, not a question. Um, in my opinion, I think it'd be better if the person tries first and see how it goes. If you can do it all the way till the breaking time, good for you. If not, at least Allah knows you tried. It's just a comment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a good litmus test. I mean, that would be an excellent. I mean, you can try, and uh, if you produce milk and uh, the child is uh, getting all the nutrition that it needs, mm -hmm. then it's fine, fast. Uh, but for some women, it's very difficult. And even, even when they're not fasting, some women have to supplement because they mm -hmm. can't produce enough milk when they're not fasting. <laughs> yeah. And uh, with that being said, then, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really up to the woman to, or, or the family or the husband, because it's, it's, it's actually the milk, you know, that's the right of the child, uh, you know, to decide if uh, they should continue breastfeeding or should they supplement. So that- They'll probably so pump. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, pump, pumping as well, too, but still it requires a certain level of fluids and nutrition in order mm -hmm. to produce milk. Okay. So that, that's a good thing, too, where if you, if you eat throughout the night and then maybe pump, but if there isn't enough fluid, then there's nothing to pump. It's just dryness. It's like a desert. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's see here. The child, believe me, the child will let you know. Because when you're breastfeeding and, and the child is really hungry, they suck really, really, really hard. And it hurts. <laughs> and if you're not producing enough, they will cry because they're hungry and they're just not getting what they need. So another litmus test would be let the child tell you. They'll tell you. <laughs> believe me, when they're hungry. They'll tell you. Even husbands, when they're hungry, they tell you. <laughs> All right. Number seven, what if a woman has successive pregnancies and is unable to fast for a few years? Would anybody like to answer that question? This is really more discussion 
This is just a review of things that we've learned during the Ramadan series. So it can also be experiences too, because a number of these questions are different. The answer would be different for so many of us. Some of us, for example, would like to try and see if we could fast. And then some, you know, would say, okay, well, you know, I want to make sure that I don't dry up, but I've struggled with this when I wasn't fasting. So I want to make sure that I don't dry up during fasting that I would like to continue to nurse. But um, number seven, for example, if you have successive pregnancy and is unable to fast for a few years, what do you think that the situation might be? That one is a tough one. It's a tough one, isn't it? So if, you know, normally if we miss days, whether we have menstrual cycles, many of us miss days, um, whether you're traveling or if we're ill, we have missed days, then generally we try to make it up prior to the next Ramadan. But if a person, if a sister or a woman misses fasting in a Ramadan due to successive pregnancies, they should try to make it up before the next Ramadan, but in a case where they miss more than one Ramadan, then there is more leniency in making up the fast over longer periods of time. But it is recommended for women to try to make up their fast. In the days, even in the winter days, when it's shorter, we're spreading them out over the course of a few weeks instead of you know fasting consecutively. You know, it will be good for them. But we you know, a law is, is very, very lenient. Does it make this religion difficult for us? Just do it as soon as you can. Just do it when you can. Have the intentions to you know, complete those it's days. It's almost on them. We cannot yeah. hear you. Can you make it a little bit louder? Okay, so, yes. Uh, mm -hmm. You're coming um, very... Yeah, if, if a woman has successive pregnancies, Inshallah, she should try to make up those fasting days. If she cannot fast during the month of Ramadan, she should try to make up those fasting days as soon as she can. So if she misses a few years or a couple of years or three years, then, you know, Inshallah, she'll try to make them up as soon as she can. And they don't all have to be done consecutively. So say, for example, you were sick for three days or you were sick for four days. You don't have to fast three or four days in a row. If it's going to be easier for you, then you can spread them out. So fast maybe Monday, Wednesday, um, Monday and Thursday, or you know every other day, or a couple of days a week. You know, pick your days. You can spread them out as long as those days are made up. So we already discussed this, for example, with diabetes. What if someone has a chronic illness or is very old? What does, what does the law say about that? What does the Sunnah say about that? They still fall into the same conditions that if their health is going to be compromised due to the fast, then they should not fast. If their illness is gonna be increased by fasting, then they should not fast. If their recovering capabilities are going to be decreased, then they should not fast. There are other alternatives to fasting when a person cannot fast. They can also give food. They can feed people. 
anybody has any comments on that? Someone has asked in the top 20 questions that Muslims ask about uh, Ramadan, uh, can you fast when traveling? As we know that there are concessions for the traveler, that the traveler has an excuse from fasting if they need to. But the question is, can I still fast when traveling? Traveling is a lot easier for some of us than maybe in the past or maybe during the time of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu I mean, we can go across the world in a matter of hours. And so that would be considered fasting. I mean, that would be considered the uh, fast that can be excused when traveling, but some people don't find it difficult. You, you're you know, getting on the plane and, and you're getting off and you're fine. And you know, the, the question is, can you still fast? So although you're excused from fasting um, and traveling can be difficult, if there's a little difficulty, and it's not gonna be hard for you, then it's better to fast. So any days that you miss during the traveling, you can make them up, but you can still fast. Maybe you don't want to uh, miss any days and, and fast later. And, and the and your travel is not that difficult. You're, you're riding in an air conditioned car, uh, you're getting on a airplane, with no, no problems. You can still fast, you can still fast. It doesn't mean because you have the option to not fast while you're traveling, that you have to, you can still fast. Number 10, what if two different messages in your area are starting and ending Ramadan on different days? How do you pick? How do you determine when do you start and when, and when do you end? Now, I want y'all to chime in on that because this, this has always has been a discussion. <laughs> among Muslims from, from every community. What if two different masjids in your area is starting and ending Ramadan on different days? What do you do? I would like to know. What do you do? Pick one masjid, start with them, end with them. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. You get an A plus for that. <laughs> Anybody else chimes in? Anybody else would like to chime in on that one? Sister Nimat, are you available? Oh, you had to work just to listen in. Sister Nimat is on the board. Sister Nimat, welcome back. We miss you so much. I think she's not able to respond. She's out of work. No, assalamu alaikum. Can you hear Wa me? <laughs> yes, I am listening. I heard Sister Zam Zam explaining about, you know, the, the, the illnesses. And I've just been listening to everything. So glad to hear everybody's voices and learn and gain the knowledge. Alhamdulillah. Thank you so very much. Sister Neymat, have you been in a situation or an area where two messages are starting and ending uh, their fasting during all the time? All the time, everywhere. I've lived, I've lived in three states, and all three states is always that issue. But, oh, but you know what? The reason that I thought it was because some believers follow the moon when it's sighted in the east. 
and then some cited in a locale and that there are different times that's what causes the difference and I heard it's not any sin on whatever moon you cite of course it would be lovely if everybody you know did it together but as long as those are going to be citing from the east and then some from the locale I guess it'll always be like that right well we we have the same moon and it's right. and it's over, and it's over the, the the same the same uh, I don't want to say time frame for lack of better words but we have the same moon it's the question of what does the new moon look like and if you are of the opinion that the new moon is a black moon the moon that you can't see mm -hmm. um, then that's the first day and then some say uh, well, if you can't see the moon, then that's not deciding that the day one is the is the new moon. Okay, also, so okay, right. go ahead. And, and but, also, mm -hmm. go ahead. No, I read in the, uh, you know I don't you know I know I need assistance with, but I did read in that right. in the Hadith where it right. said that some will cite in different locations, and so. I, always, I know it's the same moon, but of course there's different time zones in which people wake up and they sight moon where somebody else sighted. Um, and oh, let's see how I'm trying to say this. I know yeah, it's I, the I, same I, moon, but it's different time zones, right? Right, it's, right. But it's the shape of the moon, if you will, because you know the moon is, is a black moon and then it has like a little sliver of a crescent and then the crescent gets fatter over the course uh -huh. of the month. And then during half month is a half sighted moon and then it, it gets fuller and fuller as the time goes on. Some say, if you can't see the moon because the moon is a black moon, then that's not the day. Some say you have to see that sliver. And then uh -huh. other people say your community has to sight the moon. So if it's cloudy and the weather just doesn't permit the sighting of the moon from the naked eye, for example, then they say they'll start when they, whenever they see it. So it may have already started, if you will. I see. You see what I'm saying? It may have already started, if you will, but mm -hmm. they themselves cannot see. It. They say, oh, well, the didn't use a, right. They, they, they didn't use a, a, a master telescope, right? <laughs> Things like that. They want to see it with their own eyeballs from where they stand. So that's what the contention is always, is that this mm -hmm. group here, like now I'm in Delaware, so you have Philadelphia, Delaware area, and it's always, you know, you have certain groups that will start a day before generally. And right. then the, and the other group is saying, well, we didn't see it yet. We didn't see it in our locale. We haven't we haven't cited it. And then they'll either uh, say they didn't cite it, and then I think automatically they'll start the next day or something to that type. But yes, right. every place exactly. I every yep. place I live, it's always <laughs> like that. Yes, every place, even in Delaware, and then that's even far. What about <laughs> here? Uh, Sister Kyrat and I, we both in here. I'm on a winner, Clayton County. And uh, I'm in a city of Riverdale, 10 minutes away from her is the um, county of uh, Riverdale. So different masjids also do different <laughs> times of prayer, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, Sister Kairat, what did you have to say about that as well? What is your thought about those? 
Yeah, the time, uh, the salamu alaykum wa the time is, uh, Allah created the moon. We have been told what to do when it comes to following. I mean, I have some, some of my people in Nigeria that, that are so dogmatic, you know, that they will say something like, Oh, if the people in the north say it is time, it is not time. We in the south have to say our own. Some, some, some shh, things that are not really what it should be. So I'm saying this to say that as a Muslim, if you have heard from any source that is good source that the moon has been sighted, you should start. That's my belief, and that's what I follow. Salamu alaikum. Alaikum salam. That's excellent because there's, there's a difference of opinion among the Muslim scholars on how to determine the start and the end of Ramadan. And, and generally, it's best to follow the masjid that you trust the most. So if, if there are two masjids, for example, um, in your area and they're starting and ending on different days, you may want to just go with the masjid that you're in, that you're with. I'm going to start with the masjid some Muslims are we can't hear you. You're coming in and out, in and out. Please. Can you hear me now? Yes. Is this yes? Okay, bring the mic please. Okay. So there's a difference of opinion among Muslim scholars on how to determine the start or the end of Ramadan. It's best to follow the message that you trust the most concerning the Islamic knowledge. However, in your family, if it's going to cause division, you know, within your family, and will result in difficult circumstances, it's permissible to take the opinion of the other masjid and follow their timing, even if you feel they are less qualified in Islamic knowledge. So you can follow the masjid that you feel is correct, that you feel has the most knowledge. And then even in some families, you know, some start on different days, within the family. But right there. There's somebody who needs to be muted. But even if it's even if it's difficult, you know, or causes difficulty, then you know, pick the message that's going to give your family unit. So that's the difference of opinions among you know among the scholars. Number 11, different masjids. Let me see here. Isn't that the same one you have? Yeah, that's a different question though. Different masjids have different timetables for when fasting begins. And why is that? We kind of discussed that one already. Some believe in the calculation method. Some believe in the uh, citing method. Some believe that they go with the masjid that they trust the most. So if, if, if that is across the waters where they seen the moon before you do, before it's revealed to us, then a lot of people will say, okay, well, I will follow the masjid that I trust the most. Number 12, does vomiting break my fast? Does vomiting break my fast? Does anybody want to chime in on that one? Okay. Vomiting a large amount intentionally when it comes out with force and it cannot be kept in does break the vast. This is, you know, basically a rare scenario and is really done intentionally. There are some people, they, they, they do vomiting as a regular diet control, 
mechanism, uh, that would break the fast because they're intentional. They're intentionally regurgitating uh, due to something that they have caused themselves. But if it's unintentional, however, it does not break the fast. So if you vomit, your fast is not broken. Please continue to fast. Okay, let's see here. Number 13. Number 13, is it okay to use eye, ear, nose drops, or enemas during fasting? Does anybody like to chime in on this one? Eyes, ears, and nose drops during fasting. I think the eye, ear, nose drop will be okay, but the enema, I'm not too sure about. Okay. Anybody else? Okay, so it is permissible to use the eyes, ears, nose drops because the liquid does not normally reach the stomach nor does it nourish the body. Therefore, it's not analogous to food and drink. However, when using the nose drops, it's important not to swallow the fluid if it reaches the mouth. Using the enema to empty bowels or to administer medicine into the bloodstream does not break the fats. Let me say it again. Using an enema to empty the bowels or administer medicine into the bloodstream does not break the fast. However, if the enema is used for hydration or nourishment and it reaches the stomach, it does break the fast. So it depends on the purpose of the enema. There are some people who cannot relieve themselves if they do not have an enema. Maybe they have some other medical condition that they need you know, an enema or they need a suppository or they need something, you know, to make sure that they are able to eliminate. So if it's for that reason, then your fast is still valid. If you're using it because you're dry down there and you're just trying to find another way to hydrate yourself and it reaches the stomach, then it does break the fast. Number 14, does a medical injection break the fast? Does a medical injection break the fast? Anybody like to comment on that? Number 14, does a medical injection break the fast? Normally the medical injection doesn't break the fast unless it reached the stomach. If the injection, it depends on what it is, if the injection contains glucose, for example, or some other nourishing substance, then it does break the fast. So it depends on what is in the injection, which determines whether or not it breaks the fast and if it reaches the stomach. That also helps determine whether or not it breaks the fast. Can I brush my teeth? with toothpaste while fasting. Yep. As long mm -hmm. as you don't swallow, accidentally swallow a ton uh -huh. of water while rinsing your mouth, including the toothpaste. <laughs> He's right. Using toothpaste does not break the fast. It is permissible to brush your teeth while you're fasting. You can use a toothpaste. 
and does not break the fast. The toothpaste is not designed to provide nourishment, people. I tell my children that all the time. They swallow the toothpaste, especially when they have the kids' flavors. They swallow the toothpaste. You do not swallow toothpaste under normal circumstances. And so if you're careful to not swallow the toothpaste, then it does not break the fast. However, it is better not to use it unless it's necessary because it does leave a taste in your mouth. And eventually some of the vestige of the toothpaste will be swallowed and it will reach your stomach. But it's a way that you can start your day to clean your teeth and it is better and healthy for your teeth. So if you can do it, maybe rinse your mouth out really, really, really well and eliminate the water out of your mouth, you can use toothpaste. Can you use uh, mouthwash? Sorry, I Go just ahead. wanted to share something. Yeah. What I usually do when it comes to toothpaste and mouthwash is that after using it, rinse your toothbrush, rinse your mouth and rinse your toothbrush, then rebrush without the toothpaste like two or three times and you notice that you will get rid of the taste completely. Inshallah, mm -hmm. completely. Inshallah. Yeah. So what do you got to think about mouthwash? Mouthwash. Does it break your fast when you use it? Well, it's not recommended to use mouthwash while fasting, but if you have halitosis or you have chronic bad breath or you have bad breath, for whatever reasons that might affect the people that are near you, it will not break your fast as long as you're careful not to swallow it. So you may not want to gargle with it, but um, you know, a lot of times, you know, if you swallow it accidentally, you, you don't want to take that risk. But if you don't swallow it, it doesn't break your fast. Not recommended, but you can do it and it doesn't break your fast. Okay, here's another one in the same category. What if you swallow small bits of food accidentally that was stuck in your teeth? Nahila, what do you think? What All if you right. swallow? I don't, I don't you... want to give my uh, personal opinion. <laughs> you you going there and giving us a peer review scholars uh, question answer. So I'm just waiting on them. <laughs> but if you want my personal opinion, I think that a little bit is okay. You know, you can still continue your, your, your fasting, but um, yes. I just, you know, but I, I really would like to wait for your scholarly opinion because that's the one that we're taking home to because we already have our own idea what it is or what it means. And we are here right. today because we really want to know what is the majority of a scholar is saying about what right. we already know because each one yeah. of us have a, uh, where one day or another was across those questions and every single day somebody would tell you about those but today we are here to get from a sister Omozamzam based on her research what is the scholar is saying what is the most um, acceptable view from the scholar so yes um, if you really want me to say something I think okay you can get a little food in there <laughs> Yeah, you can get a little bit, a little bit. So if you swallow small bits of food accidentally, the key word here is accidentally. Say there was something stuck in your teeth and you swallowed it accidentally, then that does not break your fast. Even if it's a large amount, 
even if it's a large amount. So, you know, you have a cavity or something, food gets caught in there and, you know, you, you did your best to rinse it out. Now it's time to pray. You pray, all of a sudden it falls out. What do you do? You know, um, actually, I actually move it past my lips and try to get rid of it. But if you swallow it, it does not break your fat. Sometimes food gets stuck in between your teeth. That's very common. Um, you know, you need to eat certain types of food, popcorn, all of these things get stuck in between your teeth and you're spending you know, time after time trying to get it out your teeth. But if you swallow it accidentally, even if it's a large amount, it could be a large amount, not even just enough food that hides in between the teeth or in the cavity. If you swallow it accidentally, it does not break your fats. But the key word is accidentally. Number 18, and this is a good time to talk about this. Can you give blood while fasting? Can you give blood? while fasting. Well, we're, we're in a critical situation here where there's a call for plasma. And, you know, people want the antibodies from plasma donors in order to, you know, help, uh, you know, minimize the effects of this pandemic. So for, for people who are donating plasma and they have the antibodies, uh, the COVID antibodies, or antibodies from any type of disease. Uh, there's a call for that right now. And, and they're actually called, um, what do they call it, necessary responders? They call it first, what, what is it called? Anyway, there's a call for um, people to help in this case. So the question is, can you give blood? Plasma is a little bit different than blood, but blood is also life-saving. There are people in car accidents that may need transfusions. There are people with medical, chronic medical conditions that may need transfusions. And so the question is, can you give blood while fasting? Yes, you can give blood while fasting. Some say it's disliked, but others say that it does not affect the fast. You are not gaining any nutrition from this. You are not uh, absorbing uh, any nutrients whatsoever in your stomach. So you can give blood. You can give plasma while fasting. Number 19, can you have intimacy with your spouse? Number 20, can we have intercourse with our husbands? I think we all know the answer to number 20. And, and, and with number 20, the intercourse rule is aligned with when you can eat and when you can drink. Those are the times that you can actually have intercourse. But during the day when you're fasting from sunup to sundown, you cannot have food, drink, or intercourse. But number 19, and this is what I want to hear from you, can you have intimacy with your spouse during your fast? Can you have intimacy with your spouse during your fast? One hint that I will give you on this is that here again, every individual is different. Please chime in. No, that's a no. Okay, that's a no for you. All right. But, yeah, but <laughs> that's a no. That's a big no. That's a, a big, big no. For big big no to me too. Big no to me too. That's a big no. A that's big a big one. no for you too. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's, that's a big any, no. Any, <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, any other sisters? What, what is your answer? What is it for you? 
Okay, so only two sisters. Only two sisters have answers. I'm double advocate. I will say yes also. <laughs> no, it's not a yes. <laughs> it's for, a for, me, no. It's a, for me, it's a yes. It's okay. No. No, yes, it's it not, does, no, it no, does, no. It does not break your fast. It depends on your spouse and uh, the response. Yes. No, no, you can you can if ask it about does that, not but... cause if it does not cause arousal. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> and it does not tempt them to want to go further, and it does not cause a test for them, then it does not break the fast. For example. Yes. It is tradition for some families before your husband goes to work or before you go to work, you kiss them goodbye. You know, kiss them. But, but not in Ramadan, my sister. That's the no, 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 uh, sister, sister Peggy. Um, when we hear that's a we uh sister Muzana cannot say one thing. Yeah, yeah. sister Peggy, you're really right. <laughs> but uh, we that's what we learn, that's what we know, that's what we have in our brain, that's why we yeah. are here. When we start this, when we want to do these questions, um, Sister Mozanza and I, we say, oh, Nahila, we already covered this and a lot of people know about Ramadan. Well, we don't know in a scholarly view point of view. I'm trying to be a double advocate in here. That's what I just say, yes, uh, no, because I just want to fit in and blend in so that we learn from the expert view. Whatever Sister Umuzan is saying today is the majority of opinion. What is a correct opinion? That's what we're discussing today is a peer reviewed. Now, what we learned before, not what they told us before, but what did they say in terms of a fatwa? Here, the word is, a, the key word is here is fatwa. What is this recommended? Absolutely. During the fasting, and I'm going to let her go, and then I'm going to go commentary. Let her give a chance for us to talk. And then another thing we need to do in a, in a platform of Asha, remember, remember sisters, we are here to convey fashion. There is no debate. If it's a, what the majority is saying, we take it with us and we go away, we leave and we ask our ulama more. But the, what we learn and what we're learning now is totally different. What we're learning in here in this platform is only Things that Allah say is permissible or things that Allah say is around. And those scholars are backing up with an opinion in terms of a based on the Hadith or the Quran, but not the traditions, you know. So let's uh, pay attention. And then if we give a chance, she will explain what is intimacy exactly and what, what, it is, what is our concern. Because intimacy here is totally different than uh, intercourse. For instance, and foreplay, okay. So let's 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 analyze the word. Another word that she said earlier is that if you eat during the pre, uh, Ramadan, is that break your fast? Absolutely. But if you accidentally eat, is that break your fast? No. So look at the keyword in here, and let's give a chance to the presenter to give us the evidence. And we're gonna take away from it with it. We're gonna take take off with those knowledge and we're gonna go double check. And then it's always good to come back and say, hey sister, whatever you discussed last time, we found that this is not correct or this is correct. Once you have your proven of evidence, the supporting evidence, what book you're using, we're gonna say, yes, there is. 
Oh no, it is not. Oh yes, based on your books, absolutely. We're going by the books. So that's the reason why it is uh, important that we are here today. Yes, um, my opinion, scholarly opinion from knowing from this research, just from this research is the yes, it's permissible. So intimacy, and this is, this is uh, a generally uh, uh, just an English definition. Intimacy is the close familiarity or friendship or closeness. It's a private cozy atmosphere. And there are some things, you know, uh, with, with me and my ex, for example, it's been 20 years, a kiss does nothing. <laughs> Gotta work a lot harder to, uh, to invite intimacy into that. So a kiss goodbye to work or a kiss I see you later, it does not break your fast. It does not break your fast. So that's with uh, number 19. So that- And, and, and Sister Muzan, can I add one more thing? It, yeah. Yes, go ahead. Mahila? Yes, thank you. Yeah, it does not break your fast like you said, but Sister Peggy, if your husband is all over you and a little small yes. kiss will make- And and that goodbye kiss can turn up and say, hey, welcome back. So that's <laughs> a problem. <laughs> yeah, so it, it depends. It depends on the situation. It depends Absolutely. on what does it do. For example, we have people who have very soft feelings. For example, you say something to them and it hurts their feelings. There are some people you say something to them, you know, and, and they'll laugh at it. So every individual is different and it's how your spouse receives the intimacy that you deliver and you pretty much know your man so absolutely absolutely yeah holding kissing, hands kissing goodbye holding hands doesn't goodbye, do anything hugging then, then holding that, then, hand while yeah. you're cooking he will come and help you cut the stuff all those yeah. kind of stuff it does not break the task does not break your again, back, yeah you know? yeah hey so, why uh, you why, why don't you cut those onions while I got the potatoes. That does not break your fast. Absolutely. It's, a, it's a, those kind of intimacy. That's yeah. how it is. Yeah. All, yeah. Of, all of it is intimacy. You know, mm -hmm. smiling at each other. It, it's charity. It does not break your fast. Okay. But you have to know your husband and how far you can go and then what what excites him. So if, you, if, if, if kissing him goodbye before he goes out the door and you lock the door behind him, if that excites him, then don't do it. But if you're in a situation where you know that doesn't excite him, that that's just tradition, this is something that we do all the time so that, you know, if for whatever reason, a law decides not to return him home, then we wouldn't have left in a situation of strangers. So, alhamdulillah, <clears throat> it's a kind of a requirement in our family, even kiss my children before they go to school. Everybody gets kissed out the door. So, alhamdulillah. But it depends on your situation and how your husband responds to any action that you take towards him during the time of fasting. So that's the answer for number 19. It depends. <laughs> okay, so we have Rabbana du'as. Sister Zulifa. Naam, alhamdulillah. Thank you so much, Sister Umu Zamzam and Sister Nahila for the presentation of this important topics. May Allah reward you abundantly and reward everybody that's present listening. 
Auzubillahiminasyaitonurrajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillah wa syukurlillah Hamdan kasiran taiban mubarakafin All praise be to Allah, Lord of the universe, the most merciful upon his entire creation. And may the peace and blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his family and his companion. We thank Allah for all his blessing. He's blessing the open one and the hidden one. All of it upon us, upon humanity, upon the ummah of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a blessed, long, pious life. May Allah make us people of knowledge who implement their knowledge into their ways of living out of love and out of fear for him. And may we follow to the T the sunnah of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Quran. And I seek refuge in Allah for myself and for the entire ummah from Bidya. For every Bidya leads you to what? To going astray. And anything that goes astray will end you in hellfire. Na'uzubillah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us all reach Ramadan be productive and excel beyond our own expectation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us all attain taqwa in this coming Ramadan and maintain it to the highest level till we meet yakin, meaning what? Till we die. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased and satisfied with the entire ummah of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Inshallah, today's Rabbana could be found in Surah 14, Verse 38. Meaning what? Our Lord, indeed, you know what we conceal and what we declare. And nothing is hidden from Allah on the earth or in the heaven. Please, my dear sisters, don't forget to review the previous Ramadan duas, inshallah. Just include them in your duas after salats or maybe like after, after, the call for, after the call from the azan. And may Allah help each and every one of us. I mean, this brings us to the end, inshallah. Rabbana takabal minna inna ka anta sabiul alim wa tub alayna inna ka anta Till next time, insha'Allah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Thank you so much.